What's up, everybody? Welcome to Talking Yanks. Thanks for joining in for another September guest call-up. We've been running through these every Tuesday and Thursday and Friday, depending on how the Yankees series and schedule lines up. Today, Jake's not with me. He's road tripping, so it's just me. I've got a guest. I think half of you will be super interested once you hear the name, and the other half will say, who's that? Oh, yeah, him, Bald Vinny. Bleacher creature. If you don't know who Bald Vinny is, I really don't understand how you don't. I just don't get it. If you're a Yankee fan, you know Bald Vinny. He's kind of like the fireman Ed of Yankee fans. Bald Vinny is a bleacher creature. He used to start the roll call with a yo, Bernie. He's been out there to the roll call. He sells shirts in front of the stadium. He used to bought my I hate Kyle Farnsworth shirt or anybody but Farnsworth shirt from him back in the day. So he's uh, joining the show, and I talk about it in the interview. Like, I used to just watch the Bleacher Creatures. My dad would take me to the games, and I just have my neck turned to the right, and I just watch the Bleacher Creatures. So this shit is so interesting to me and just fun to hear about about the whole the Bleacher Creatures. There's books written about these guys. There's documentaries written about these guys. They are a, 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 it's like the Raiders Black Hole and the Yankees Bleacher Creatures, and those are the two fan sections that are known nationwide. So enjoy this interview with Bald Vinny, and uh, we really appreciate him coming on, and we will be back with a Red Sox recap next. All right, joining us now, we have legendary bleacher creature and celebrity Yankee fan, Bald Vinny. Vinny, thank you very much for uh, joining the show. Hey, thanks for having me on, man. Appreciate it. Bald Vinny, is, is that is that the acceptable moniker? I mean, I, I feel like you've embraced it, and that was your... Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's really funny because, like, I, you know, I hang out with a big group of people out in the bleachers, and it's not like there's another Vinny that you have to differentiate me from. It's not like there's, like, ten of us. You know, like, but our whole crew used to all have nicknames. So back when we hung out there, there, there was like 10 guys named Mike, you know? So there was an Uptown Mike, there was a Staten Island Mike, there was like that kid who was into like black metal, and he was black metal Mike, you know? So all those guys had nicknames, and uh, there was actually two guys named Ray, believe it or not. And one of the guys named Ray was bald, and he was bald Ray. And just because he was bald Ray, I became bald Vinny. <laughs> it's like the dumbest thing in the world, you know? Like it, it's like one of those silly things. And then, you know, that, back then it was message boards, you know? It was before Facebook and Twitter and all that stuff. You know, we used to have a message board, and it was a screen name, and then it just kind of, you know, <clears throat> became a, a like a, a persona, I guess. Yeah, I mean, that's very East Coast, though, and very New York. Everyone's got to have, like, a nickname and a moniker and a description in the nickname. Oh, definitely. And, you know, it's funny, too, because just like I'm sure most people, you know, I have friends that you don't even know their real name. You know, we have a dude who sat with us uh, for years, and everybody just called him Pops. You know, it's always been his nickname, Pops. And we were out and uh, traveling out west, and he came to our hotel, and they called from the front desk, and they were like, yeah, John Lane is here. Can we send him up? <laughs> and everybody's like, who the hell's John Lane? You know, we had no idea. And then they called back, like, oh, we hear him in the back, just tell him it's Pops, tell him it's Pops. And we're like, oh, yeah, 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 because it pops up, you know? But yeah, that's what happens when you're in a big group, you know? And yeah, it's really just a social atmosphere. So we have a good time. It's, it's all fun. Yeah. It's been a couple, it's been how long? When did Bald Vinny, when did the nickname start? Uh, is that kind of like your initiation into the, the Bleacher Creature? gang because i've heard you talk about it a little bit and it was a well-established you know group of people before 
you entered. Back before I started and like, I guess, quote unquote, the whole commercialization of the bleachers, you know, it was, you became part of the group when you were asked to be part of the group. You know, it was really back then, uh, it was a general admission in the old stadium. You know, people would come up after work and you just met people online and you recognize a couple of faces and be like, oh, save me a spot, you know, save me a seat. And that's really how you became part of the group when you got asked to sit in a seat. You know what I mean? Like when you got invited in to that little part. And back then it was more about how many games do you come to? You know, are you here? Showing up was really how you made yourself a creature. And really the, the big days were like the Saturday morning. Because everybody comes out Friday night. Everybody can tear it up on Friday night. But if you can make it up on Saturday morning, then you really care. Then it really meant something to you. You know what I mean? And that's how you kind of got in with the group. And back then, you know, like the core group, we were all single. You know, it was a lot more easy going, a lot more fun times. And you can make road trips and you can make it down to, you know, five, six games a week. That's how I actually started out there. You know, I, I used to work in Midtown Manhattan and... I had a really cool boss and I was super low man on the totem pole. I worked in advertising and every day I was finding myself waiting for work. You know, I'd wait for my supervisor to do work and put it on my desk. And, uh, we got into this really cool agreement where they let me go to the games and I would leave work at like six o'clock, bang up to the stadium. Back then the game started at seven 30 and I would leave the game, go back to my office and everything would be waiting for me on my desk. And I'd sit there and do work till like one, two o'clock in the morning go back home and come back in the next day, maybe like 11. They were really cool about it. And that's really how I fell into the group. So you start making games, people start to know you and, and participate. And that's how it happened back then. Now it's completely different. Now, you know, you just got to show up. You want to cheer for the Yankees. You're passionate uh, about our team. And you like the really only prerequisite that we've ever had from the very beginning is you have to hate the Mets and you have to hate the Red Sox. (laughs) Other than that, it's pretty simple. You don't have to hate the box seats anymore? I don't know, man. It's a little different because, I, I you know, I see so many of my guys hanging out in the box seats these days, <laughs> you know. Uh, I think back in the old stadium was really where that, that was really a big thing because we were sectioned off. You know, I don't know how many people are familiar you know, with the old stadium. I mean, it's been, it's been quite some years now um, since that old place was around. So um, for those of you who don't know, like you couldn't go from the bleachers into the main stadium. You know, we had our own concession stand. We had our own bathroom and water fountain. Um, they weren't the best, but we had our own. And it was just ours, and they couldn't get ours, and we couldn't get theirs. So basically, the group that was right next to us, they had the same view we had, but they paid like three times the price, and that's kind of where that whole rivalry came about. Now at the new stadium, I mean, guys will go hang out in NYY Steakhouse and chat on a nice porterhouse before they even come and do roll call. So it, I think things change a little bit in, in that regard, but we'll always hate the Mets. We'll always hate the Red Sox. I loved the box seats. Like when I was a little kid, I, I don't know. We didn't sit in the bleachers. I don't know. Maybe my dad just didn't want me around. It was pretty wild back then. But I mean, I'm like four, four to eight years old and I would always make him sit in the, the uh, right field box seats and I'd always get right up to the edge. So, and I would, I wouldn't watch the game. I just watch you guys in the bleachers. I was just people watching. And one time uh, there was a fight or something and a guy got thrown out and 
five minutes later, he's in the box seats. He's got a ball ticket from a scalper, couldn't get into the bleachers, though. So he, And he's just yelling across the bleachers, you know, I'm back, blah, 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 like, get, help me sneak in. And that, to me, was like a bigger celebrity than the guy in the field. I just yeah. would love to watch what you guys were doing and all the chants I mean, and all that. I think that. back then it was really different. I think the biggest change from the old stadium to the new stadium is a really – it's a small design thing, but it really uh, affected our participation, I guess, if you will. At the old stadium, you used to go up through a tunnel, and you would come out to the ramp, and then you would walk up the stairs to your seats. So you were always in front of people. If you showed up late or you were drunk or you had on a dumb outfit, you had to parade yourself from one end to the other in front of everyone. Now everybody comes in from behind. People sneak in from behind you. Nobody sees you. So that's like a completely different element. We used to have so much fun just on, hey, that guy looks like Willie Nelson. And then then Willie Nelson jokes start for 20 minutes until the next guy who, hey, that guy looks like the Green Giant. Ho, 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 Green Giant. And, you know, like we would do all our little gimmicks in songs because we had constant stimulus you know what yeah. i mean at the new stadium now you're you're constantly focused at the at the field as it should be and you know people come in from behind so you don't really get that that play as much as you used to it's also much much deeper the new stadium that that section it's 39 then 203 now i feel like like i was watching videos uh of the bleacher creatures back in the old stadium. And you really, you had the scoreboard behind you. So there was no one behind you at all, but it felt like, is it, is it twice as um, long, like top to bottom? You feel feel a little bit further back, I guess, uh, to say it, you know, at the old stadium, we were right on top of of the outfield wall. You know, there weren't seats in front of us. Uh, So I think that whole section in front of us kind of adds to that depth feeling. Um, but you know you're still right on top of it. As far as the right field bleachers go, you know it's really not a bad seat. Uh, and if you're loud enough, everybody can hear you, so you're all good. Yeah. All right. I want to go back even further. So, how? So you're a Yankee fan growing up. I'm guessing born and raised, just yeah, naturally. Yeah, just like everybody. You know, most people. You know, um, my dad. Both my parents worked when I was super, super young. Like first five six years before you start really going to nursery school and elementary school and i was raised in my grandma's house and my dad's younger brother and sister still lived at home they were yankee fans and we just grew up watching the yankees it was just a thing you know so yeah i've been a yankee fan since forever so what so like you're like coming to age of then as this the bleacher creature and then later on, it kind of you kind of spawn off like you know even more kind of uh, fame. I guess is the correct word. Afterwards, what's that like? When was the moment we were like, "Holy shit! I am now a known Yankee fan." You've been a Yankee fan your whole life, and now I it's- tell you exactly. I'll tell you exactly how it all went down. So um, I had kind of started the t-shirt company, and I was you know doing my thing. We were doing you know making the bleachers known. And there was a casting call at the old stadium um, for a uh, television commercial for MLB's campaign. It was uh, like the campaign was like titled, I live for this. Fairly certain that that was one of the the one they were working on at the time. And I went in and I tried out for it. And because of that, I got the screen test to be on the ultimate road trip for the Yes Network. So this is like going into the winter of 2004, right before the 2005 season. Uh, I mean, there was snow on the ground the whole the whole night. But that was really when I kind of 
became Baldini, so to say, and that like really became the persona. And when the focus started moving towards, you know, kind of growing that as a Yankee fan and seeing where I could take it, you know, and and leveraging my the show and all that other stuff. So that's kind of really where it all started. It was that MLB uh, screen test where I met the producers from Road Trip. Yes, Ultimate Road Trip, for our listeners who aren't positive what that is or haven't heard of it, Yes Network became a TV channel in like 2002, I think, and American Idol and reality shows were all the rage, so they said, let's dabble in this. The The first season, which you were on, was yep. four fans. Yep. You got to go to every single game. And later on, they made it like a contest. You had to win game tickets, whatever. Correct, right, because they realized, you know, and uh, let's, I don't know how familiar people are with TV and production and whatnot, but most reality shows, um, they film the whole thing, take it back, edit it, and then like two months later, it all airs. The thing that was really unique about the road trip is we aired every week, mm-hmm. you know? So um, our show, we shot to Friday and it aired on Sunday. You know, so whereas a normal reality show, you get story arcs and you can develop your characters and what's going on at home and the backstory bit and plots and stuff. They never really had that with Road Trip. So after the first season, like, well, what do we got to do? So that's when it became more of a contest. Like for us, it wasn't so much difficult to go to games. I mean, because we had nothing else to do. Yeah. You know, they, they did all of our travel arrangements for us. You know, they told us where we had to be, when we had to be there. All the reservations were done. We just had to show up. You know what I mean? So it wasn't really hard. You know what I mean? It wasn't super grueling. I mean, it's a lot of travel. And, you know, the more it was the silly stuff that they made us do in between because they realized that, hey, damn, we go to Boston like four times. What the hell are we going to do four <laughs> to four times in Boston? Oh, let's make them go on duck tours. Oh, let's make them do, you know, scavenger hunt at Faneuil Hall. Let's make them do this. And, and for me, I might like at the time I was like, yo, I just want to hang out with these dudes. Like, why can't we? Like, why can't I meet Bernie and Derek and and Jorge? Like, I want to do stuff. Like, they're here, we're here. Let's do stuff with them instead of running around and doing all this silly shit. Let's do, you know. But at the time, because it was the first season and they had no ratings and no sponsors and they had no pull, they couldn't really do that type of stuff. And I, the thing that killed me that whole you know, year is, and I think every year since they've won Emmys left and right for that but none of the cast ever got any props on that all the producers all the yes network they all got to pad their resumes with that except all, all the cast kind of got left in the wind so that's kind of the only bad thing about that but for me again that was where Baldini came about so um in retrospect it was a good time you know and it led me to do cool yankee stuff you know bottom line and that's really what i look back like when i look at the Baldwin career, you know, I got to do cool Yankee shit. Yeah. You know, I got to do cool stuff with players, um, where they're normal people, you know what I mean? And I have always wanted as a, you know, my goal as a, whatever, as a fan, super fan, I don't, don't like that term because I feel like everybody who's passionate about this team is a super fan. You know, mm-hmm. I tried to spin a small business off and I, my real goal was to be a bridge between the Yankees and the fans, right? The Yankees have always been the most closed off organization, you know, like what goes on behind the curtain and even more so back in the dynasty era, 
you know, with the Jeters and the Bernies and the Paulies and like that group was guarded, man. Like you didn't get anything. Like the internet wasn't nearly as prolific as it is now. You didn't have beat writers tweeting every little thing, mm-hmm. you know. So what whatever went be- on behind the scenes, fans didn't get a bite of that, you know. And that's what we really found out on the road trip show was like they're clamoring for anything Yankees, you know. They're dying for anything Yankees. And when they couldn't get the Yankees, they were like, oh, look, the road trip is here. <laughs> you, know, you know what I mean? And I'm like, well, if I can be the conduit between the fans and the team, um, you know, if I can bring that experience, that's always what I, what I wanted to do, you know? And that's what the goal with Roll Call was, right? Like, the, the joy of Roll Call, aside from getting on a bench and screaming your face off, because if you haven't done that, that's pretty awesome, right? But the real is the acknowledgement. Right, because these guys turn around and wave. Yeah, and I don't care who you are or how many times you've done it. When they turn around and wave, they're waving to you, and it's you or your dad or your little brother or your buddy from work. And you know what I mean? And it, that's it, you, that's your connection. So if then I think, like I said, that was the beauty of the roll call. You're connecting, bridging that gap between the fans and the players, and, and that's cool, man. You don't get that anywhere. Yeah, it's a reaction. The roll calls, when the roll call started, I've, you know, I, I think I've heard you talk about the beginning of it before with Bernie. And I've read somewhere, like it was a Tino was the first to wave to you guys. Well, that was really, so like we always had a rapport with the guys in the outfield, right? Like we're right there. You know what I mean? Like we could yell to Bernie and you know he's going to hear you because he's only like 50 feet away. But like one day it was like a day game against Chicago and people were bored as hell and they started chanting Tino and he turned around and it was like that light bulb went off and everyone went like, holy shit, they can really hear us. And literally that was the moment. You're like, like they, they, they can hear us, you know? Like, Cause nobody, you know, you can scream people's names and they're blue in the face. And especially, you know, from the bleachers, they're kind of taught to ignore any, you hear your name coming from the bleachers, ignore, don't feed into it. Don't ever turn around, you know? So when you finally get that acknowledgement, that made it feel for us. I was like, yeah, that was crazy. You know what I mean? The like then, then then it kind of morphed into us being part of the family. You know where it became the welcome. You know where once once it started evolving, and I hate to credit this to a Red Sox, but Johnny Damon was the one who really kind of embraced it from a player perspective. Yeah, and it became a thing where like when guys come over now and they're looking forward to their first roll call because it welcomes them in and makes them feel like part of the Yankees. Like that shit's cool, man. I don't care who you are. That's cool. No, it, it was Johnny Damon the first person to do like not just a, a glove wave, a regular or... wave. Yeah. yeah, yeah. He used to get down on one knee and uh, would do a double finger point out to the bleachers from left field. Yeah, and he was the first one to do something like unique. And then they kind of, and then other guys, some guys do it and some guys don't and everybody has their own thing, but, uh, it, it's cool that they're into it. You know what I mean? Or, or th- that they know of it. Yeah. I mean, cause Swisher had the salute. I know Guardy does like the strong man, like the flex. The yep. flex. Yeah. And then, uh, so the outfielders always kind of, they like have pressure on them. I know Kutch turned around and did some weird, like, I don't know what it was. He said, he said he didn't even know what it was. He just did it. The, in, the infielders do a quick wave, but I was watching a video and uh, it was Jeter and Bros just busting each other's balls saying who lets them, who enjoys hearing their name chanted more. Oh yeah, definitely. And I think that was, that's completely a thing with those guys, uh, especially back then because it was so, so much in its infancy. You know what I mean? It was such a, a unique thing. 
uh, I think as the guys kind of got older, um, it, it became like, I don't know, I don't want to say like a, a, like a rite of passage for them, I guess, you know, I, it's, it's weird because I, I've met some of the guys, you know, you hang out and you, I've been very fortunate enough to do some fundraising and charity events. Um, and to hear them talk about it from a player's perspective or like behind the, the locker room perspective, um, it's completely different. Like Curtis Granderson coming to the Yankees and literally wrote an entire blog for Major League Baseball about, oh my God, what am I supposed to do for the roll call? You know what I mean? <laughs> He's like, like, that's cool. You know what I mean? Like, we're just a bunch of fans, man. We're just going to chant your name. We only want you to do is turn around and wave. You know what I mean? Like, we just, that's, again, it goes back to the acknowledgement. You know, we want to, everybody wants to feel a part of the group. Um, and, and, you know, to, to know that they thought about it like that, it, it's, it's cool. Uh, and then you even had like David Wells used to, he used, used to chant his name, right? And he would acknowledge. Cause you, usually... we've gotten a few guys on certain special instances. Like it's typical that we don't ever do the picture. Yeah. Right. And, and it's always been our, our thought is like, look, man, we're just, we're just chanting names. We don't want anybody to stop the game. You know, we're not interrupting anybody. Like we're just going to chant some names. You're going to turn around and wave. It's dope. But like there's certain guys that we've, gotten wells being one of them we've gotten cone um and one of the best ones though is aj burnett uh we met aj at a hope week event uh on the field with the yankees and he happened to be starting the following day and he's like oh dude you know if you guys give me a roll call he goes hell yeah i'll acknowledge you or we're like dope man this is gonna be great we're gonna do aj tomorrow and game starts and on the first the first batter leads off with a hit first pitch of the game and for roll call that sucks because it kind of sucks the energy because you know we get in there and you get all hyped up for the first pitch and the first one comes in and it's a base hit so you kind of got to do it all over again yeah so we go to do it all over again and it's literally the third pitch of the game and we get to aj and he had to check the runner at first base to turn around so he could wave to us because he was like getting ready to go and i can't remember I can't, for life i can't remember who was playing first base but I had no clue that uh, a, a you know a check was coming from the pitcher because it was the third bat of the game. It's the third pitch of the game. Like what the hell's going on? And AJ had to like stop the whole thing just so he can acknowledge his roll call. We're like, see, that's exactly why we don't do you guys. <laughs> that's pretty funny. Yeah. What about catchers? Was there any any catcher that acknowledged, or was that the same? No, situation? catchers always tough, man, because they're they're, like said, they're so focused and they got their own thing going on. You know, they got the helmet and the gear, and you know, we never even really considered doing those guys. The only thing that used to, that we used to do that we stopped doing after a while, um, we used to get Michael Kane, John Sterling. You know, they were the radio team back in the day, um, and they used to be at every game. You know, so we used to get Kane Sterling. Uh, and then when they broke up and they, you know, they started the Yes Network stuff and came moved over to TV, then it was uh, Charlie Steiner and John Sterling. But Steiner would not always acknowledge us. <laughs> I don't know whether he didn't hear it or he was just too busy or doing the game. And then we're like, well, F these guys, man. You know, like, and we, so we kind of cut them out at that point. Uh, and Michael even asked me about that. I know you had him on your show recently. Yeah. Um, but he, he, he's like, dude, how come you guys don't put me in roll call? I'm like, well, man, I can't figure out your TV schedule. You're here some days, you're not here other days. <laughs> like, I, I have a hard enough time getting roll call down, much less, much less worrying about you over there. So that's kind of how those guys stopped. And we just keep it to, to the guys on the field and, and make some noise for the team. Has there been a player that runs through? Because, I mean, there's been years where we had oddball players, and you always have September call-ups or mm-hmm. weird trades. Has there been a player where 
the Yankees forgot to tell them, like, hey, you have to wave to them, or they just don't figure it out? <laughs> there's, there's only been one person, um, and it's kind of a weird weird thing kind of to talk about. I don't know if anybody knows the name Charlie Pride. Charlie Pride? Yep. I didn't. I don't recognize the name. He was deaf. Oh, really? Yeah, he had, he had a, a, a hearing thing, and we changed that dude's name. <sighs> For a long goddamn time, man. We just had his name, and guys in the outfield were trying to get him, and like, I like they're calling for him, and they're trying to get him to turn around, and it just didn't happen. And that, like, I think that was the only guy we never really, really got to, to acknowledge us. Well, he has a good excuse. I guess. Yeah, no doubt, hundred <laughs> percent, no, no doubt. You know what I mean? Hundred percent, no doubt. So, uh, yeah, we let him pass on that one. That's what everyone else. I mean, so there's got to be the players. I know. I mean, I know the players know it. We obviously know that. But it's a thing like, hey, they're going to chant your name. That's just cool that it's become so uh, integrated into I like. Think, yeah, I think at this point now, you know, most people know because it's been going on for, for such a long time. But for us, when it really started to get crazy was when our normal group started getting switched up. Right. Like for years, it was Bernie and Paulie. Tino and Derek, you know, and when there started being new names in there, uh, especially when it started to be names of guys that we didn't really, you know, give, you know, kind of give it to on the other end a little bit, um, you know, and now they're on your team. Like, number one, first example, Raul Mondesi hated us. Hated us because when he was on Toronto, we used to, we used to give him some hard you know, back at the old stadium where, uh-huh. you know, you couldn't, you could kind of say whatever you wanted, you know, we would rag on them a lot, you know, and heckle, because that was our job. It wasn't just rooting for the Yankees, you know, part of what was sitting in the bleachers was, was the heckling, you know, if we can get into somebody's head a little bit, then we're doing our job as fans. So we used to give it to guys quite a bit. Another one who came over, uh, who actually took it a lot better was Vernon Wells. Right. We used to give Vernon a hard time again when he was in Toronto and he came over and started playing right field and was super, 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 super cool. Um, we had a, a thing. Kate, I hate to kind of go off on a tangent, but I'll tell you a quick Vernon Wells story. We used to chant to Vernon Wells, um, your name's Vernon. <laughs> that, that was it. Right. <laughs> and it was dumb. It's just your name's Vernon. And I ran into him at um, a Robinson Cano fundraiser event at the 44 Club a couple of years ago. And we were talking about it. I introduced myself. And he's like, oh, you're that dude. He's a blah, blah, blah. We're going on. He's like, why? He's like, why do you guys just chant your name's Vernon at me? He's like, yeah, I know my name's Vernon. He's like, what's the deal? And I had to remind him. And, you know, everything always has an origin, right? So I had to remind him of the night of, of where that came about. And he used to play uh, next to Shannon Stewart, right? So we were going off on Shannon. Shannon's a girl's name. Yeah. Right? Uh-huh. Vernon starts laughing. And we're like, what are you laughing at, dude? Your name's Vernon. <laughs> and that's where it started. He was like, dude, I had no idea. And like, yeah, It's like one of those things, like, for years, and that was his first roll call. His first roll call is, your name's Vernon. And oh, that's he turned funny. around dying laughing and you know like that's that's the cool part of, of doing what we got to do you know yeah right fielders that's like your guy i know bernie was your guy at the beginning bernie was always my guy but bernie will always be my guy. yeah for the for the creatures like nick swisher couldn't have spoken 
uh, better about you guys. And he engaged all the time. And now you see Judge, like Judge just took the field, uh, stepped on grass, didn't, you know, just as a defensive replacement. Mm-hmm. And you see him, he's just acknowledging everyone yelling his name and, mm-hmm. and like yucking it up. Is that grown? Is like, was O'Neill, because O'Neill, I feel like he was too focused to be doing that. But yeah, Paulie was definitely, uh, you know, a, a focused individual. But I think that stuff really started with Swish, and it really came in with the new stadium because, again, you're right on top of these guys. They're right. You're right there. They hear you. Uh, and as much as there's so many people there, they can pick voices out. Like they know. You know what I mean? Like I know Swisher. We used to do charity stuff together. Like I remember, I had a Mother's Day. There, my mom came for like one Mother's Day. And it's, you know, obviously a quiet Sunday afternoon. I was like, yo, Swish, can you wave to my mom? And he just turns around and tips his cap, you know what I mean? <laughs> like, just, just silly random stuff. But, like, you know they hear you. Um, and I think the fact that, like I said earlier, you know, they, they were always trained to never turn around, never turn around. But, you know, they turn around and they, they love that and they feed off that. And if you're not feeding off the energy of the crowd as a ball player, you're probably in the wrong profession true and they, it's right. like it's like because judge is as guarded as they come he's not the same personality as swisher but he's constantly talking and pointing and nodding with the fans out there and it's just awesome to see i mean and especially you, know, you gotta put yourself in his shoes you know you're a young kid and you're you know the, the almost the on the precipice of being the face of the franchise and you have you know the, the world is your oyster and you have uh, it's got to be pretty fun to be Aaron Judge. You got you to think, right? Yep. And then you've even had players come and, and spend the game with you guys in the bleachers. I know Coney did it. Mm-hmm. And Tino did it in a disguise. No, no. Tino wasn't out there. Um, Cashman came out in a disguise. Oh, really? Uh, yeah, Brian Cashman came out. He wore a wig. Um, Tino has been out. He came out to the bleachers at the old stadium. Um at the last game of the old stadium, we just kind of made like a quick appearance and kind of visited us. Uh, but you know, we have had a number of players, mostly some of the older guys. Like we, again, kind of do our own thing out there. You know, we try to participate as much as possible and we've done our own fundraising stuff. Like we had, um, Italian Sturts night, you know, the Yankees would never have Italian Sturts night, yeah. but the Legion creatures <laughs> have Italian Sturts night, you know, and Sturts came out with Charlie Hayes and Larris comes out. Um, you know, Guys will will definitely come and, and chill with us out there. It's a lot of fun. Who who's in charge of the roll call now? Like they gave um, Don Mattingly a, a mm-hmm. roll call when the Marlins were in town. Who, like, is there a brain trust that makes that decision? Is it one? So, guy? There's people that have been there for a long time, right? And you know, I really don't go too much anymore. But there's people who have always been there for a number of years, and those are the people that are going to make the decisions. You know what I mean? Whether. Uh, it's a new guy. Yeah, you know, I get that all the time. And it's really so funny to me. People are like, oh, oh, you know, Yankee signed Andrew McCutcheon. What are you going to do? Um, we're just screaming his name, man. It's not, <laughs> yeah. it's not like, you know, you're coming up with the formula, you know, for rocket fuel or something. Like, it's four syllables, two syllables, pick what works, whatever. You maybe throw in a little clapping. Yep. <laughs> you know, and Pretty then simple. like everybody gets on the same page and it's super easy. You know, if you ever have a question, I always used to tell people if there was ever a question of what we're going to do, find a kid because the kid's going to tell you the truth. Find like <laughs> some eight or 10 year old boy and be like, yo, dude, what sounds better, this or this? And whatever he says, you usually go with him. There you go. That's, that, that's, that's actually a great way to get things solved. Yeah. I wonder if there's ever been like a huge debate. Like, uh, like I think Andrew McCutcheon did the full name. Will be Kutch, Kutch. That sounds weird. Yeah, you're right. It's yeah, some stuff sounds, sounds weird. You know, like it, it. It just makes sense to go some ways uh, with with certain guys. 
And there's never really, like, debate, you know? Even with the whole A-Rod stuff, like, there was never really any debate as far as whether or not you're going to cheer him or are you going to do a roll call. Yeah. Back then, like, when he was coming back, like, I had to literally go on social media and be like, look, stop asking me. We don't skip people. Yeah. Right? You're on our team. We cheer for you. That's how it works. That's what we do. We're fans. We got your back. And that's kind of really how the whole thing started with, you know, the forgive stuff and, and really getting behind Iran and, uh, and, and kind of doing that whole thing is because we cheer the laundry. Like, yeah, you might be this guy or I might have this thing or whatever. doesn't matter, dude. You're busting your ass to try to make my team win so I can leave this place happy. I, at least I can do is get up and cheer for you. Yep, as I would say, I root for people in pinstripes. Simple as 100%. simple as that. What have the efforts been like to tame you guys? I know they cut off the alcohol for a couple of years. Yeah. Um, I'm sure some chants now, just the way the world is going, are, are yeah. thrown to the wayside that used sure. to be chanted. Sure. Um, basically, we're, we're just over-policed, you know? Uh, and what really came about, and we started policing ourselves. Because, you know, for guys who go to multiple games, we don't want it to suck tomorrow, right? Yeah. Like, if you you guys are there, you know, you're out on your one Friday night and you want to get up on the bench and yell, F this and this sucks or whatever because that's what you think you're allowed to do. No, because I got to come back tomorrow and I don't want 10 more security guards here, dude. So get off. No, <laughs> behave. You know what I mean? So we were policing ourselves because we don't want more eyes on us. You'll find that um, if you ever go to the bleachers, even now, section 203, 202, 203, 204, that little group right over the right field has twice as many security guards uh, that any section does. And the same thing at the old stadium, that we had twice as many police officers. Um, you know, they just beef up security and keep extra eyes on us, and it's more of a zero tolerance. You know, get up on a bench, you're going to get a warning. Do it again, you're out. You know, and then people see other people getting tossed like, damn, I can't do anything out here. You know, and we used to call it the no fun zone. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, like all I'm trying to do is have fun, man. All, I, I can't say the word sucks. You know, like, what's the deal? Like, I, I was legitimately taken uh, to an office of the chief operating officer. I don't even know what the hell the guy's title was. He was a big dude all the way up in the stadium. And basically, I was told that we're not allowed to make fun of other fans. Like, everybody's there to have a good time, whether they're a Boston fan or a Mets fan. And I guess it's the whole PC nature. I'm not allowed to tell people that they suck anymore. So that's why boxy sucks. Stopped. You know, you're not allowed to, to, to make fun of people anymore. So, sorry. Yeah, I mean, that's... I mean, I get it, and spe- ah, that's that's weird. You, you, get, right, you get it, but you know what I mean. You're like, oh, come on, man. Yeah, it's like, still a whatever. baseball game. They did right. they did cut off the alcohol, right? And then I I yeah, was reading at one point in the old stadium they did cut off alcohol. Um, you know, there was no, obviously again we were cut off from the whole place, so it was easy to do. There was just no beer in that general area. But it's funny because the the very day that they cut off beer sales in the bleachers. Some dude in the upper deck wound up sneaking in like a whole bunch of whiskey and sell from the upper deck into the netting behind home plate at the old stadium. Jeez. He was so bombed. They uh, sell from the from the upper deck into the netting. And we're like, no, you're taking beer away from us? Like, <laughs> look, look what's going on. But again, and then again at the old stadium, this is this is prior, you know, to two thousand one and whatnot. Uh, we used to bring in our own stuff and I got more drunk 
when there was no beer than when there was beer. Yeah. Like, we used to bring in tons of booze. And it was crazy. Like back in the day, like when I first had the bleachers in the late 90s, and you, know, you can go in and on a Friday night and I'll walk in with a bag. And like, what's in your bag? I'm like, nothing, just cups. <laughs> and like, I just have a, a bag of cups and nobody would say nothing. And like, what do you got? I just two bags of ice. <laughs> we got no ice. Yeah, just ice. Yeah, man, it's just ice in a plastic bag, man. And okay, cool. cool. Go inside. Yeah, you know, and then some guy walks in. And he's got two Snapple bottles. Well, you know, next thing you know, we're making Jack and Cokes out there. So yep. it, it, it was, you know, we used to call it the bleacher bartenders, and you know, drinks were, were made bleacher strength, and they definitely put hair on your chest back then. That's funny. Yeah, I was reading up, and they said like they used to sell nips in the bathroom of like vodka uh, and stuff. Even back in the day, even prior to you know all that stuff, there used to be Yankee joints out there for like two or three bucks. Back in the you know the late seventies, early eighties, when the Bronx was a little tougher, you know, it, <laughs> it, it was uh, the Wild West and the old bleachers. Yeah, I mean, it's like the Yankees didn't learn from Prohibition at all. If you ban something, it's just stronger. It gets worse. Right? <laughs> yeah, right, right. yeah. All right. Well, thank you very much for joining, man. Where can people find you? You're still out in front of the stadium selling shirts and all that, right? I'm I'm around on the weekends. You know, I kind of moved on from that that type of stuff. You know, I have a regular nine to five, but I'm around on the weekends. You can always find me online. Baldvinny.com. I'm Baldvinny everywhere on all social media, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, all that fun stuff. So I'm always around. Hit me up. And, you know, I always tell people, you know, if you're a loud Yankee fan, if you're passionate about this team, you like to make some noise, buy a ticket in 203. You'll probably have a good time. Yeah, definitely. All right. Yeah. Th- thank you very much for coming on, man. I mean, I love, pleasure, man. Thanks for having me. I love the stories. I grew up like idolizing you guys just as much as I like the, the guys on the field as like just That's sit cool. and watch both. So cheers. it's awesome. All right. Thanks, man. Keep up the good work, man. You guys are putting out some great content. You know, been following you on the Instagram, and, and uh, you guys got some good stuff out there, man. Keep it up. Thanks. Appreciate that. Cheers. All right. Have a good one. You too, man. There you have it. Some fun stories. Bald Vinny, Bleach Creatures, Yes Ultimate Road Trip, which was hosted by Michelle Beadle. She went on to uh, be a little bigger than that, but hosted by Michelle Beadle, if you don't remember that. Good talk. That was uh, that was pretty fun. Um, thank you for listening. Thank you for joining. Patreon, if you want to support the show, $2 a month, you get early access, live access, video access, some extra perks, and you get your name put in a raffle to win an affordable jersey. No name, Yankee jersey. You get your name in a raffle to win a jersey from affordablejerseys.com. Uh, other than that, just subscribe, rate, review. And even if you don't rate review, just subscribe. Just send it around. Tell your friends to subscribe. Subscribe, subscribe, subscribe. Follow us on any social medias. Follow along. Thank you very much for listening. Really appreciate you. I hope you have a fantastic day. Oh, Yankees.